Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Backseat GM Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. And I'm Zach Spurduti. Ben, it's been a while. It has been a while. Um, yeah, we're back. Um, we got on Apple Podcasts and then we decided to take a hiatus because we were a little too uh, pleased with ourselves. We were, uh, you know... Kind of, kind of feeling riding the high and uh, decided to dip out on you guys for a week. But we're back now. Yeah, we were, it's like when you, you know, you score your first NFL touchdown and then you do a backflip and you tear your ACL so you're out for the whole next season. We kind of, we did that. Um, so it's going to be back, good to be out of rehab and uh, looking forward to seeing what the season has in store because this is season two of the Backseat Jam podcast has not been. <sighs> Um, Welcome to season two of the Backseat GM podcast. I, I didn't realize we were delineating by seasons, but um, we had we had a decade of pods, our first ten. So, uh, what's new in the world of Wisconsin besides a Packers L? Oh, there's a Bucks W today. Um, that's pretty good. You know, the Patriots didn't even make the playoffs, so I wouldn't be talking Wait, shit right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a W. Yeah, you get over the Packers. I didn't know you were a Bucks fan. I didn't really. I didn't realize you were a Bucks fan. Apparently, you are. I'm a. I'm a Bucks. You just follow Tom Brady wherever he goes, huh? I'm a Tom Brady sympathizer. It's like Ben. I put it. I think I'll put it this way. It's like when you and your wife are together for 20 years, you get a divorce, and for the first year after your divorce, you feel bitter. You feel like that. You hope that person fails, and then all of a sudden, your spouse gets that promotion they've always dreamed of. And then for a second, you're just like, they deserve that. I'm happy for them. That's kind of where I'm at now. I'll be rooting for him, but I can't enjoy it like he's a Patriot. It's just like, good job, bro. You did your thing. But still, fuck you for leaving. Can't relate. I, I always uh, wish ill upon my exes. Just kidding. Um <laughs> <laughs> I had an interview today. Well, I think it went pretty well. Congrats, bro. Yeah. Um, it was the marketing agency, so nice. we'll see we'll see what comes of that. Um, the Bucks had a pretty great dub over the Indiana Pacers tonight. Uh, I actually was just on Indy Cornrow's Pacers pod with my good friend Mark, um, and we talked about the game, a little recap, talked about state of the Pacers, state of the Bucks. So that was pretty fun. You can check that out if you guys are interested. Uh, Indie Cornrows podcast. Um, what is new with you, Zach? What's, what's been going on? Is that a trick question? No, no, I'm genuinely asking. I haven't talked to you since yesterday, so. Very curious. What's been going on since then? There's uh, been assigned a lot of things at work that I don't know how to do. Um, so. Just trying to ask as much que- many questions as I can, but not too many questions that it makes me sound stupid. So, um, also, I'm no longer sober. So, um, my congratulations. dad and I. Congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you. We have my friends and I had we had an intervention um, telling me to not be sober anymore, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was sober for three and a half weeks, and I realized I've never been that sober since I've probably 19. So my dad and I celebrated being sober by uh, being shit-faced. I'm very proud of you. Um, 
Yeah, I was worried Thank when you. you said it was going to be two months. Um, I, was, I was worried for your well-being. Yeah. Also, you know, my my mental health as well. You know, dealing <laughs> with somebody who's. <laughs> Um, so I'm really glad we got that wrapped up, taken care of, and now everything's all, all is right with the world once again. Um, I, I appreciate. I, I actually feel a lot better not being sober. So yeah, that, that, that's good to know. Um, yeah, th- I think that's a great transition into uh, oh first segment of the show, uh, the Kevin McHale, the part of the show where we talk about a beer that we have picked and popped recently, some crafty brews with sneaky athleticism. Zach, why don't you go first? What's a beer you've had lately? Well, actually, I'm having one right now, Ben. Funny you should ask. Um, haven't been to Total Wine in about a month, and thought, you know, I'd go back to the old stomping grounds. And this, you know, this would actually be a perfect segue into my airborne grievances. So maybe you should have gone first, but we'll circle back. This is a free-form poetry, slam poetry kind of vibe we got going on here. We're all friends. You don't mind if I skip around. So... Scrolling through Total Wine, right before I ended the beer section, I came across this beer called Upstream Salmon Safe. It's an IPA from Hopworks Urban Brewery in Oregon, and it just caught my eye. It had a salmon and kind of a um, indigenous peoples kind of kind of vibe. It, it reminded me it was a very interesting artwork, beautiful artwork, and um, of a salmon. And I was like, okay, I gotta get that. And so I did. And I haven't had an IP in a while. It's been stout season, you know. Um, so cracked it open. You know, it says an IPA. And usually when you see, you know, something from the West Coast, I'm more of a West Coast IPA kind of guy than the East Coast. And, but I didn't, didn't say it was West Coast, but I'm definitely picking up a lot of pine, a little pineapple and grapefruit, but more pineapple. And um, it's almost creamy. Which is a very, um, very welcome back to IPAs. Haven't had an IPA in probably a month and a half, so it's good. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. That's good to hear. Um, I'd, I'd be interested in something like that. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of a West Coast guy now myself. I was just telling you before the podcast, I started off as kind of a New England IPA guy, and more of the hazy, you know, elements. But now, you know, bring me back to that pine. Bring me back Ooh. to that. Uh, Bring back to those bitter hops. That's something I can vibe with. Hell yeah. That, that brings us to uh, my Kevin McHale this week. Um, you know, Zach took so long in preparing for this podcast. We were originally supposed to be at 45. It's now 10.55. Um, I had a Rocky's Revenge from uh, Terrania. Uh, in my hands. Uh, but I finished that since then. But I'm still going to talk about it. Um so, local Wisconsin brewery from Lake Mills, Wisconsin. Uh, it's an American brown ale, partially aged in bourbon barrels. Mm. Uh, it's got some caramel, vanilla, oak notes. Um, now I'm a big brown ale lover. Uh, I brought a couple onto the podcast uh, before this Kevin McHale segment. Um, but this one's unique. I've never had... Other than this beer, I've never had a brown ale that's been aged in bourbon barrels before, and it kind of it really brings out like the real like vanilla and you know oak flavors. It, it tastes very good. Um, mm. I'm, a I'm a big fan of bourbon barrel aged beers in general. Um, 
but this one this one hits the spot for sure. So shout out Terrania. So is your second beer the same one, or do you have a different one right now? No, I have a different one. I have uh, the Mercenary Double IPA from Odell, which is a classic, nice. um, cl- classic beer. We've had this one on many occasions. Uh, maybe I'll save that one for a different Kevin McHale. Oh, I'm sorry to put the cart in front of the horse. Yeah, we'll never look a gift horse in the mouth. Zach, Zach had never heard that phrase until like, okay, well, a couple, our couple days ago when I told it to him and he thought it was a Wisconsin thing. Cause it is. It's like anybody who says that categorizes he's a, a... He's a bigot from the South, so can't really can't really uh, blame him. Like anybody anybody who says that calls a water fountain a bubbler. So let's put it that way. So what? Well, I'm just supposed to you know, delineate a water fountain that you drink out of from a water fountain that you throw coins in. Like, you know, let's, it's the English language. Let's come up with some diversified vernacular that we can, you know, know for a fact what we're talking about. So, yeah, bubbler has no other connotations besides the water fountain. Not. What else? What else would a bubbler be? Weed. You fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wish you guys could see Ben's face. I wish you could see no, Ben's I, face right now. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd seriously like to know what. What about bubbler has the weed connotation, Zach? Um, the bubbles that what, emanate. You talking about a bong? Yes. All right. Moving on to airballing the grievances. Okay, this is right up. This is still kind of in the Kevin McHale segment. So, I you know I haven't been a total wine in a while, and you know. For some of you who are surprised by this, airborne agreements don't always have to involve balls. It involve beer as well. I actually was just informed of this 20 minutes ago during our uh, production meeting. Um, <laughs> so I walked into Total Wine, the trusted Total Wine, and you know you go, to, you go to the beer aisle, and usually down the beer aisle they have endless displays of beer. You have international, domestic, stouts, IPAs, special releases, seasonal releases. You're just surrounded and ensconced in beer. I like being ensconced in beer. They changed the whole setup. They added a in the left side. They added the, the whole left side isn't beer anymore. It's like it's mixers. In the middle of it is not even singles, it's like six-packs, so you can't, like, have the interesting beer singles. So you're stuck with all of the domestic singles, not really the international singles. And then in the middle aisle, in the beer section, they have snacks. They already had a snack aisle, so then they made their snack aisle, they condensed their snack aisle down, and the snack aisle shortened. So there's less snacks, snacks in the beer section. The snack section is now a beer section, but they're all six-packs. One of my favorite things about going to Total Wine was that beer looks interesting. Builds your own six-pack. Build your own six pack. That's that's the joy of it. Is it's the subway of of beer consumption. I'll mm-hmm. get a little banana pepper. I'll get a little salam. A little little minestrone soup if I want. You know if I'm feeling it. And I could toast that if I want. I can't do that now. So they have the international. They like they have for like they're not even separated by laggers or anymore. They just have like international. It's like it's like Samuel Smith. They used to have Samuel Smith in its own section, but now they have Samuel Smith like in a, in a small international section, and they they didn't have the lager there. So I'm so I was trying I was trying to make beer battered cod for Super Bowl Sunday. So I just I'm great. I broke my uh, my fried cherry like yeah a couple nights ago. I, then I, I got to make this. I made like a fried shepherd's pie. It's the best oh. thing I ever made. Oh. oh. 
Oh. Wait, how do, you, how do you make a fried shepherd's pie? You ma- you mash potatoes, then you cook up some meat, get some carrots, peas, and onions. You make that into a little ball. You dredge that or, into like a little oval almost, and then you dredge that in flour, panko, and eggs. You fry it, sprinkle a little salt, and it's a fried shepherd's fucking pie. Oh, I'm also <laughs> watering right now. I need to <laughs> Kevin McHale over here. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok. Really? Yes. TikTok was, can bring good things into this world. It's not just titties and ass. That's right. Now you can put the explicit logo on. <laughs> so I digress. So I, I wanted to make some um, fucking beer-battered cod. And I was like, the best lager I know is Samuel Smith Organic Lager. The best, so bready, crisp, it's almost citrusy. Sorry, I can't get over the way you're saying lager. How do you say it? Lager. How do I say it? Lager. Lager. L- lager. You're almost saying it like a like a weird Wisconsin person, or like a like a Great Lakes accent. Look, lager. My grandma is from Illinois. I have a little bit of Midwest. I have a little bit of Midwest, but I also have a little bit of Boston. Hey, get in the cat. So I got a little bit of Texas, where you're from. I don't associate with Texas besides the Houston Rockets. Okay. So airballing the grievances that's that's going on way past the shot clock here. I wanted to do the Samuel Smith best lager I've ever had. They didn't have it. They had every Samuel Smith known to man, especially the brown ale that you hate. They had that too. So I had to get I had to get another pilsner for the beer battered. But so Airballing grievance, I'm disappointed in total wine. I had the whole store of like the back of my hand. I knew where everything was, I knew where Anger was, I knew where I knew where fucking Kieran Light was, I knew where some beer from Istanbul was, I knew where everything was. The Vermonter cider. I knew exactly where it was. And they changed you everything. Worked there. You could have worked there. I could have worked there. And then I saw two two guys discussing they're like, I don't know really what I pay to get. And I almost I almost gave them advice. But I did it. I held back. Because I don't want to be a craftier stone. You haven't passed the threshold yet. You haven't turned like, 27. <laughs> I guess still, not. Still living by yourself alone, being a craft beer snob. That's the threshold where you start helping people out with their, with their beer choices at Total Wine. I, I never want to get to that point. I need to. I need to link up with somebody before then. We were we were that at that shell. I don't want to talk about that. Um, we put him on the right track. We gave him the, we gave him actually an Odell. We gave him the the rupture IPA. I bet he fucking enjoyed that. Anyway, longest fucking airball grievance ever. Ben, what's your airball grievance? That, that, that reminds me of that. Do, do you know that uh, that commercial where it's like uh, the guy that helps you from turning into your parents? I think it's like progressive. Yes, progressive. It's literally it's literally that. <laughs> It's that. But for beer snobs. For beer snobs. Did, did he ask you? I don't. I don't think he asked you for your for your opinion. He was like, "I'm looking for something piney but a little grapefruity." I'm like, "I know exactly." Well, if I went to IPAs right next to you, I could set you up with that. I could, any Odell's beautiful. Obviously, so I give you the torpedo from Sierra Nevada. I could just fucking go into it, but I didn't want to. I wanted them to. I wanted them to go down their own journey. They didn't come there for me. They came there for their own journey. That's right. They're they're gonna make mistakes. They're gonna find what they like from those mistakes. Who we made mistakes. To, we did. We made uh, the pumpkin ale mistake. Oh my god! I I need you. 
next time you come to Houston, I got I got a pumpkinator, bourbon barrel aged. It'll it'll blow your socks off. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, pumpkin ale uh, by Dogfish Head. Uh, oh. and we saved every bottle we ever drank, and we made it a wall of fame. But what we what did we do with the pumpkin ale, Ben? You wrote what we did. We tossed it, didn't we? Before we before we tossed it, we used it as a holder for the grease for my cast That's iron right. skillet. Put That's in the right. back of the fucking fridge where it fucking belonged. <laughs> so 17 minutes in the podcast, we haven't talked a second of basketball. Ben, what's your ball yeah. agreements? Well, it has nothing to do with basketball, that's for sure. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, this will be brief, but, uh, you know, my grievance this week, you know, I'm no stonks guy. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't deal with the stonks. I, I don't trade the stonks. Um, however, this GameStop business, um, why are these guys who – like who who got all the games stock GameStop stock. Sorry, Game Stock, yeah. Basically. Um why 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 didn't they sell? They're they're saying hold the line and they're just losing money every single day. Like the stock market isn't uh masses against you know it is it isn't a masses against hedge fund managers, it's every man for himself. Like, these people are so dumb saying, hold the line, hold the line, don't sell, don't sell. Like, they could have made so much money off of that, and then they could have, like, they could have sold, and then they could have rebought, and then, like, tripled their money. Like, why, why are these people holding the line? Why, why are they, you know, insisting on sending Dogecoin to the moon? Well, then, as a finance major and someone who... Um, made over 80% in the market in 2020, and is up 50% year to date. I feel qualified to answer this question. Thank you, Zach. That's that's why I that's why I asked the question. Actually. Okay. I thought it was rhetorical, and I was just providing. I knew, I, I, I knew I'd be getting uh, you know top notch expertise from one of the rising finance uh, junkies in the industry. Thank you, thank you. My mom listens to this podcast, and she'll love to hear that. So basically, you have a great point. You know. Wall Street will always win, and you know your boy took out a put option on GameStop when it was at 400, and I'm I'm up on that because I'm smart. I know that the, I know it's going to go down, but I, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Your question is, why did GameStop? Why didn't they sell? Because then their idea is GameStop is still 140% shorted, and they got screwed by Robinhood, so they they want to hold the line and stick it to the big man. And what they think they can do is that the hedge funds are trading amongst themselves, creating this market manipulation, pretending that there is actually a drop in GameStop, when in reality, there's still as many shares outstanding and still as many shares sorted. So the shares are still in scarcity. So they still think that there's a short squeeze that way didn't happen. Mm-hmm. They're losing money by the day. Stock is at 90 today. It was at 450 last week. Oh. Yeah, it's tough, and they have a point, and they think that this is just another artificial inflation and hedge funds are screwing them over still. But then hedge funds are not immoral in and of themselves. If a hedge fund finds a stock that is overvalued and they come out with a report and they know that that stock is overvalued, I have no problem shorting the stock. But what, what this capital group did, Merlin Capital, was they did 140% short. 
is that they, they're trying to drive the stock into the ground. And that they shorted more shares, and they were actually loan money to, to bail themselves out. And what they do with that money? They, 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 they shorted they, even more. Shorting, yeah. Exactly. So I, I don't feel fucking bad for them at all. Like, they, you know, yeah, they screwed themselves. But, the, what your point is is why didn't they sell? They should have, and they they got they bought into this. It's going to a thousand dollars a share, and in reality, this is a once in a lifetime position because most stocks aren't one hundred forty percent shorted. Like they're trying to pump AMC, they're trying to pump Dogecoin, they're trying to pump Nokia. These are companies that may have some da- intrinsic value, but they are not shorted. Like AMC is forty percent shorted. It's not one hundred forty percent shorted. So you can't get that squeeze that happens when there's so much scarcity. So, mm-hmm. but Ben, hindsight's always twenty twenty, man. When you're riding that boat, and that boat is is getting faster every second, you feel that you feel that adrenaline. And it's tough. It's tough to sell until it is in hindsight when it's obvious to sell. Yeah, I guess so. I just feel like. I don't know. But you're right. I, you're right. I would have sold when it was high. Like I wouldn't have kept the faith that it would have kept going up. But what what level? Three hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred? Like oh, at what point? I mean. It, it, it rose pretty fast. Like, it got up to, like, 300, 400 pretty quickly. Like, I probably would have sold at that point. Well, then you would have been a, a very smart man. I would have been a lucky man, wouldn't I? Hindsight is twenty twenty. I, I guess last question before we move on to actual basketball. Would you invest in Dogecoin? <laughs> well, I was, I was considering it, but Dogecoin is, um, I, you know, anybody who bought it as a meme a couple years ago and – you know, if you look at the price action, it goes up 20%, it goes down 20%, goes up 20%. So, it, it, you know, if, if you had a time machine, you could make a lot of money on it because it's just going back and forth. But there's no intrinsic value. There's no reason why I would ever pass Bitcoin as a, or, or the U.S. dollar or either Ethereum. So it's – Currency, yeah. There's no intrinsic value to it. And just buy – hey, I'll, this is what my finance degree taught me. Buy an ETF that tracks S&P 500, put a certain amount of money in it every month, Wake up in 40 years, and you'll be between a 500,000-era and a millionaire. Not bad. It's just invest in the market, and I don't do that. But what you should do is you should just invest in the market. Because <laughs> the market – say it, how does he do, right? The market has only gone down, gone down in back-to-back years twice since 1939, or three times. The market has only – in the last basically 100 years, the market has only gone down three times uh, – only three times has it gone down – and back-to-back years since 1929. The 80s, so the odds, 2009 and 2008, and then what other year? Great Depression. Okay. Oh, I didn't know if 1939 at that point it did. Okay. Yeah. Also, uh, chat listeners, we're uh, definitely feeling the effects of alcohol at this point, and that's a good thing for you guys, I think. So, um, but basically the point is, is then you have a great point. Why don't you fucking sell? Because then – you see, a, you see 200% return on your portfolio. You're like, oh, we can go higher. Then you see 500%. Then you see 600%. Then you see 800%. Oh, my fucking God. Then you see 20%, 10%, 5%, negative 15, negative 20, negative 30. And then just by the It's kind of how, how I feel whenever I uh, bet on NBA games. <laughs> exactly. So exactly. Like I'm, feeling, I'm feeling really good. I'm riding high when, you know, my uh, – my parlay is going well, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody hits a shot and they don't cover the spread, and then I want to exactly. I want to die for about three hours. Um, Same thing with stocks. I think that's a great transition um, into some of <laughs> our basketball for this week. 
<laughs> um, first off, uh, <laughs> I think we've all heard about uh, courtside Karen. Um, yes. So LeBron uh, got a couple fans kicked out of the game uh, a couple days ago. Um, basically, a, a, a Karen and her husband. Um, but I don't know if I don't know if she was a Karen yet. She might have been a Becca because she she claims she was 25. I think the Karen threshold is like usually like 40 to 55. Um, she claims she was 25 though. The plastic surgery says otherwise. Um, she mm. looks like uh, she might be 50 with plastic surgery. Um, oh, so you're but, judging. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, her husband. Oh, geez, another Kevin McHale, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. Um, her husband looks like Mega Tom Hanks, um, roided up. <laughs> that was roided a... up Barry Bonds or. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is, if you look at his social media, he's been at Donald Trump conferences. He's posted about MAGA shit. So when it's funny that people call him the MAGA Tom Hanks when he's act, literally. Yeah, MAGA they Tom started Hanks. calling him that before they confirmed it, but you know, exactly. looks, looks are not deceiving. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, basically, courtside Karen went on, I guess, whatever her Instagram story or live or whatever, and was talking about how. LeBron, you know, her husband hates LeBron, so he was, like, shit-talking him, and then LeBron basically told them to sit their bitch asses down, and uh, Karen didn't take kindly to that. She started cussing him out, and then they got thrown out of the game. Um, she said, you know, LeBron, you you pussy, you know, you can't uh, take a 25-year-old talking shit. Um Everybody was uh, everybody's roasting her for that because she, you know, she looks like 25 if you know Betty White's 25. But um, what, what are what are we doing? <laughs> Look, regardless of how she looks or what her age is, it's um, all I know is guys back in my day they fucking play the game. All right, they wouldn't bitch. They oh, just yeah? play the game. Uh, they dealt with worse hecklers than that. Come on. You know, come on, I think, play, play the game. I think it was noble of LeBron to uh, uh, come on. get get Karen and her and her forty plus older year old husband out of the game on the first day of Black History Month. Um, That's so. Uh, you look, look. I'm not condoning their behavior, you know. And there's pictures of him actually like shitting on LeBron, like and like went back when he was with the Cavs when he came to Atlanta and like he posted about how like oh I'm shit talking LeBron, like. I don't know why he has this beef against LeBron. He's, LeBron's built more schools than this guy has. So um, this guy needs to, you know, lay off the roids. It's because he's a successful black man, and, you know, he doesn't like that. That's speculative, but, you know, maybe true. Probably true. <laughs> and, this, you know. This is what LeBron had to say about the situation. Okay. I love the fans, and I don't take that kind of talk from anybody. There's a line that should never be crossed. She came at me with blatant disrespect, so I told them to sit their asses down. I thought I was talking to a father and a daughter until she started <laughs> calling him husband. I was stunned. <laughs> yeah, LeBron definitely came out ahead. <laughs> no question. That's for sure. But, 
play the fucking game. But, you know, that, that comes across as shut up and dribble. I'm not asking him to shut up and dribble. I'm just saying, like, people get heckled every game. And I don't know, I don't know what, what exactly did they say? Was it, did we have a quote on what exactly they said, or they were just shit-talking them? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I didn't actually find anything that actually said yeah. what they were actually saying. But it sounded like they were just shit-talking them. And, you know, uh, maybe they called him something that, you know, we don't know, you know. Yeah, well, they might have, and that—that's definitely grounds for for dismissal. But if it's just like, hey, like your your hairline's receding, you know, I mean, I don't know. I doubt it was just as light as that, but yeah, I, I get, I get your point. Yeah. So if it, you know, you don't. Whenever you go to a sporting event, you don't pay to hack. I mean, just sit there and enjoy the game. I mean, you're not, you know, you don't have any right to talk to the players just because you bought a courtside seat. And um, I'm more on LeBron's side than these people's side, so it's it's just a, it's just funny how LeBron handled. <laughs> I think I think it was it was awesome. Yeah, I love I love this side of petty LeBron. I mean, no doubt. He can be annoying sometimes, but this this was this was good. This was good. You usually get petty LeBron a month or two after a championship, but I guess right. this is this is ongoing. <laughs> I'm not complaining. Yeah, or preseason preseason LeBron is usually petty. Mm. I was saying in regards to my my second upstream salmon safe. I have no idea why it's salmon safe, but cheers to the salmon. Hmm. Um, hmm. That wasn't the only oh beef that was being dished out this weekend. Okay. Um. So Clay Thompson had some words to say on uh, national broadcast uh, this week uh, in regards to. Rodney Magruder. Scooter Magruder? No. Okay. Rodney Magruder. You, you may oh. not have you may you may not have heard of him before. Um you know, as as Clay Thompson says. But um yeah, they they, they got into it, I guess. Uh, Rodney Magruder was kinda upset about how, you know, the game the recent game went for him against the Warriors. Um and then Clay on the national broadcast while he was giving an interview uh, said, you know, this dude might be out of the league soon. He's probably mad about that. He's over here trying to start something like he's a good player. Um, <laughs> I mean, the guy's averaged 5.8 points for his for his career. He's averaged 3.2 <laughs> points this season. So, yeah. Um, and then, you know, this was posted on Instagram and uh, by, you know, one of those, uh, you know, accounts that just aggregates shit. And uh, Big Baby Davis chimed in in the comments section, said, uh, saying shit like that, I see why you stay hurt. Karma. I hate that comment. I hate that comment so much. <laughs> and uh, then Clay later posted on his Instagram story, uh, dang, Big Baby, this what we on now? I can't wait to see you on the court next year. I'm calling ISO every time. So I get forty <laughs> in a quarter with Big Fella chasing me. Um, which brings me to the question, you know, what kind of meds they have Clay Thompson on that he thinks that Big Baby Davis is still in the league right now? I think it was a um, it was a roast that wasn't factual. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could have just said, you're out of the league, fat boy, or something like that. Um, 
Big Baby Davis hasn't been in the league for like five years, probably. Right. Look, his, his mid range with the Magic at the end of his career was oh, like, listen, a sight to behold. Listen, Big Baby Davis. You know, I got all the respect for Big Baby Davis. You know, quality, I played with him. On, I, played, I played with him on 2K back when 2K. You know, I mean, 2K has pretty much always been shit, but like back when 2K didn't really have good. Uh, you know, attributes for big men. Like, you could basically dribble with them like guards. I used to run Big Baby Davis at point and get, like, 60 points per game on the Celtics. And I, I, call, I used to tell me that story twice a week, and I, I never believe you. And now you're airing out a podcast thinking mm-hmm. people will believe you. And meanwhile, I, I, don't, I don't have to think I don't have to think people will believe me because it's true. So um, People knew our record in 2K. They'd think differently. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey fuck off. Hey. <laughs> it's a shit ass game that uh Oh, that, okay. The developers don't put any money or uh, okay. into it, so hey, well, maybe if they put more money you'd win more. Yeah, well I'll have you know that I've won four straight championships in uh, <laughs> GM mode, so you can What happened when I one. what happened when I was the opposite team in my GM? You go suck one. Yeah, you convinced me to get Rudy Gobert who fucking sucks. He's an all-star. He's a $200 million. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, fuck Rodney Magruder. Fuck Big Baby. And let's hope Clay gets healthier soon. Yeah. I mean, I, I have nothing against Rodney Magruder. I have no idea what his side of the story is. Like, Clay Thompson might have just been being a dickhole about it. But uh, Big Baby Davis, definitely fuck him. Because um, that was kind of uncalled for about the injury. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No doubt. Um... In other news, uh, Bradley Beal is fine. Trust him, bro. Uh, you know he's not mad at all about the wizard situation. He's actually he's actually laughing. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't see that from his his body language on the sideline. Yeah, did, well, body language, you know, on the court even. Um, yeah. Just despite just like standing in the corner with no emotion sagging his shoulders, just, you know, completely taking himself out of the play on offense and defense. Uh, Not being a part of timeouts. He actually is happier than he was last year, according to the Wizards. Wow. Um, Good for him, man. Maybe that says a lot about last year. But um, uh, it didn't matter against the Nets. Uh, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook scored six points in five seconds to beat the Nets. Um, Beal hit a quick above the break three, and then they stole the inbounds pass, and Westbrook hit a clutch three to uh, ice the game. Did you see that? Reminds. Did you see the Lamelo play against Embiid? Yes. That reminds. Like people, it's like I, I've seen. I'm just segueing here. I, I've seen mixed reactions. It's like, hey, I mean, T Max scored, you know, however many points, like 18 points in 30 seconds uh, in a minute. Like the Nets, the Nets just came back, and if, if they still did inbounds pass, it's like and shoot a three. It's a two point game. So at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, I don't know how unsportsmanship that it wasn't like a twenty point game. It was relatively close, even after the three. There was still time left. Mm-hmm. But um, do you have any thoughts on that? Or I, I don't. I, I mean, if the game was over, but was it over? Yeah, I mean, the game was over, I think. The game was over, yeah. I I, I see that side, too. I don't really have any strong feelings on it. I mean, I feel like people who get, like, super engrossed in, like, 
you know, the unwritten rules of the game. Or I love know, the unwritten rules of the game. They're nerds. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You're a nerd. Do what you want. Like You're you really want to take you really want to take a team turnover. You know, like come on, play the fucking game. If you if you don't want them to score on you, play defense. How about that? How about that? I mean, I like that. Oh, that's old school. That's old school. I like that. Exactly. You know, for once, I'm I'm uh I'm going to the old school route. You're an old you're an old head. <laughs> you're usually the old head. I, I said before the podcast, you you have Benjamin Button syndrome. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, Beal and Westbrook scoring six points five seconds to beat the net. I mean, it's pretty pretty fucking cool. But it's it's like I hate I hate internet NBA commenters, and I love them too because they provide color and and fun and, and enjoyment. But everyone's like, see, this is this is why Westbrook's a beast. This is why Westbrook's built different. No, he had one good game in, in like the last thirty days. He's the <laughs> reason why they're losing. But mm-hmm. let's, let's settle down. Let's settle, let's settle the fuck down, all right? Westbrook does this. Like, in the series against the Jazz, he'd score 50 points on 75 shots, and they win the game. It's like West, Westbrook put the team on his back. The very next game, he shoots 1% from the field, <laughs> <laughs> and they lose by 20. Westbrook's turned into uh, Milwaukee Bucks Monte Ellis at this point in his career. <laughs> he shoots, like, 30% oh three. He has, like, you know... Yeah, this might even be disrespectful to Monte Ellis at this point, but like, oh, know, he, has no. good, he has a couple good games where he uh, shoots the ball decently well, but most of the time he's just you know shooting like forty percent from the field. Uh, not good, not good. Um, hey, he's shooting thirty six percent from three this year. Wow! And how many threes a game? Four point six. Oh, but. That's- the last three years, he didn't shoot above 30%. Yeah. And in the last six, seven years, he only shot above 30% twice, and that was including this year. Yeah, last last three years, he's shot, like, J.J. Reddick's three-point percentage this year. <laughs> J.J. Reddick's been awful. Ben, do you want to be on J.J. Reddick's podcast one day? No. Okay. Well, then let's shit on J.J. Reddick. <laughs> <laughs> Not, no, not even a little bit. Um, okay. Well, he's part of the ringer, and I know you want to be part of the ringer. We're going to be tr- we're going to try to be part of the ringer one day, and they're going to listen. They're going to like randomly listen. Are to we, our are, we gonna be try- are we trying to be part of the ringer? Is that what this Absol- is? The is that why we do the shitty uh, Bill Simmons impressions every other podcast? <laughs> I could be Ryan Rosillo. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to the old episodes where we make fun of make fun no, of him. No, <laughs> I don't no, think, one, yeah. no. Even Noah doesn't listen to this. Okay, so what do we have next? I don't know. Is 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 he a most improved player? Is, is he most improved player this year? I mean, can we, can we can talk we trade, about that? I mean, I, I think we can talk about that, but can we talk about how Kemba Walker is the most valuable point guard in the league? <laughs> no, no one's bought in the Boston more since Casey Jones. Okay. <laughs> Uh, one more bit of news before we move on. Uh, <sighs> let's compose ourselves. Uh, I know Bill Simmons always gets the best out of us. Um, I'm, I'm a slut for Bill Simmons. You are. I am too. I am too. Um, in the words of Pusha T, oh, is Fred Van Vliet hiding a child? 
no idea what that means. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I, you're not uh, you're not a hip hop head. You're not a real one, so I wouldn't really. Uh... Look, Ben, I'm all for spiritual lifting, but I don't fly spirit. Okay. I own condos Fred over Carnegie. I own condos over Carnegie Hall. Fred Van Vliet dropped 54 points against the Magic, a franchise record for the Toronto Raptors. He hit wow. 11 of 14 three pointers for the game. I believe he shot 17 of 23 from the field. Um, the last time Fred Van Vliet went off like this was when he had a child um, and eviscerated the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, by becoming, you know, Steph Curry incarnate. Is Fred VanVleet hiding another child? You're saying this this is like, this gives him superpowers. It gives him superpowers. I'm not saying, you know, this isn't like my theory. This is just common knowledge. Empirical evidence. Whenever Fred VanVleet has a kid, like, he just, you know, he goes curry mode. He he just becomes, you know, the best shooter of all time. Are you concerned about the small sample size? No. Not okay. at all. Does this make you feel does this make you feel better as a Bucks fan that he's capable of doing this? Like it's not just a one off. Yeah, it makes me feel better that there's some like higher power controlling this. Um, <laughs> gives me some kind of closure where it's like, okay, at least it wasn't our fault, you know. This is you know, this is in God's hands now. God's plan. But but then, if you beat the Raptors, Clay Clay Thompson probably doesn't tear his ACL. You, you'll lose anyway. You'll make the finals, but you still lose. I don't know. Buck, okay. That Bucks team they they could have they could have beat that Warriors team. <sighs> okay. Giannis got shut down by a wall that was, you know, designed by Nick Nurse and the Raptors. They had the personnel that could you know, execute that in a way no other team in the league could execute it. Obviously, the Warriors had the scoring, but you never know what could happen in a series. Maybe Kevin Durant gets hurt. Maybe, you know, Clay Thompson gets hurt anyway. That's right. Maybe Clay Thompson gets hurt anyway. Maybe Steph Curry gets hurt. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. But the Bucs had the personnel to slow down all those guys. Yeah, the Bucs did not. Yeah, they had all the personnel to slow down Steph Curry, but they didn't have the personnel to slow down Fred fucking. Oh, I, I love I love how you you know you're deflecting right now. You're trying to like oh you know, trying to move away from how the Rockets just get embarrassed by the Warriors every single fucking year. Oh, um, I think that's the, I think that's cute. The Rockets are an up and coming team in the West, so but let's take that with a grain of salt. By the way, Zach, um, I just want to you know. Get this off my chest. You know, oh, by all means. Before we, before we get over with this segment. Um, oh, no. The hiding a child reference refers to Pusha T exposing Drake for having a kid that he was hiding. Named, with a, um, with a With a porn star named what? Adonis. No, what was, it, what was the other name? What? I love her. She only loves my bed. My, my bed. It's my bed. That's his name. I only love my bed and my mom. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sure my bed. Exactly. That was like the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, Zach, I'm with you now. Zach's well versed in. I'm hip. I'm hip. He's hip to the hop. Um, oh, I fucking yeah. That you, can, you know. 
that Utah killed, had alcohol that killed the yeah that killed the eardrums of anybody listening at you know more than five volume. Uh, let's move on to our Delhi desktop, uh, the part of the show where we talk about all things Delhi. Ben, this is it's getting kind of sad at this point. No, like literally, like not even like jokingly sad. Like this is like legitimately sad. So, and a fan side of the article, I know how much the fan side that they treated you so well over the years. Slips in. They, they're talking about next year. They're talking about draft prospects, and they said Delhi maybe not may not be back next year. So that that's one article from Fansided. I don't know if that's confirmed. I didn't have any sources. That's just they said he may not be back next, like may not be available next year. So then I, I do I do a little deeper research because I can't just have that for the Delhi segment. Like Delhi segment is is sacred. It's holy. So I look at CBS. It says out indefinitely and. There has been no updates from the Cavs, which we've been saying. There's no updates. So I do a deeper dive. That's Google News. So I go on Twitter. I say, Delavadova, what do you got? Has a history of concussions. He's had concussions in the past. So this is not his first concussion. It's like a Welker thing. Have you ever heard Wes Welker talk recently? Dude can't complete a sentence. He needs to have like a hooked on phonics lesson. I feel bad for him. So this could be concerning for Delavadova. Now, I did read from Cavs Nation on Twitter. Shout out to Cavs Nation, if you're listening. I saw a thing. It said, will, he's talking about how he's out indefinitely, no timetable to return. But he also said, Delvadova will play with the Boomers, the Australian national team, in Tokyo. That was announced that he'll play with that team in Tokyo. And that's July 2021. So Delvadova may be available in July, but he's not available now. So... I, if it's a concussion thing, if he's still working, he's still in concussion protocol according to, you know, kosher, according to the league. So I hope he's doing well because he's had shit in the past. So, you know, it's getting concerning at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, we've mentioned this on, or I've mentioned this at least on podcasts in the past in regards to Delhi. Um, they, they, they definitely – you know, got him partially for his role as a coach, you know, coach on the floor, coach on the bench, and kind of that Udonis Haslam role. Um, so he doesn't yeah. even really need to play to make an impact. No doubt, maybe, but he's not he even with the team more, right now. Maybe he needs to be more all there than uh, than, than he would be. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're laughing, but we're also Della Vidova. Crying. We're, um, we're hoping for the best because – Concussions are no joke. I just want my curry stopper back, man. That's all I want. I just want my curry stopper back. With that said, let's move on to our bonus fry baller. Part of the show where Zach and I highlight a player who's been doing well. Well. That, uh... You know, it's kind of like a bonus fry on the bottom of the bag. You didn't really expect huh. it, but you're you're pleased by it. You're pleasantly surprised. I'll go first. Um, oh, then uh, how about you go first? Thank you, Zach. Um, Wayne Ellington for the Pistons 
Um, oh, come on. He's shooting 49.5% from deep. Good for fifth in the league. Yeah, on two threes a game. 69.1% true shooting percentage. Good for nice. 21st in the league. 11.9 points per game. He's going to be possibly one of the hotter commodities at the trade deadline. I got to say. He's shooting, you asked about the threes per game, he's shooting 3.1 threes per game. But that converts to 9.7 threes per 36 minutes. Because he's only uh, he's only playing twenty three minutes per game. Nice. So he is having a sharp shooting season. Um, he could definitely make a difference for a playoff team at the deadline if uh, the Pistons are willing to trade him. Which you know I wouldn't doubt it. The Pistons aren't really in a place where you know they're looking to hold on to. Assets like him. Wait, what could they get for him? A, a second pick. round? I mean, a second round? I mean, I don't they, maybe Maybe a couple seconds. Maybe, you know, maybe a flyer player in a second or something like that. Um, yeah, he's definitely a, ro- like, he's definitely a top seven rotation player for a, for a playoff team right now, I would say. How's his defense? I mean... I th- I th- I'm pretty sure he's average. I haven't looked too deep into the numbers defensively for him, but I I, I mean I don't think he's ever been a good defender for his career, but uh, he's more known for his potency on the offensive end throughout his career. No. I remember in 2K14 when I was the GM of the, of the Phoenix Suns, if I do may add, he was always one of the free agents that you'd see. Like he'd have the three, he'd have like a high three rating, and then you pick him up on like a on a, like a eight hundred thousand dollar deal. And you throw him in for like five minutes a game and make one or two threes. That's what he is today. It's exactly what I remember on TK. He was always one of my top waiver choices when I was looking at the free agents. Good to know he's still the same player six years later. That's right. That's right. Seven, That's seven right. years later. He's having a career year. Coming into his own. Um, let's move on to your bonus fry baller of the week. Uh, what do you got for us, Zach? Well, it's more bonus fry baller of the month of January. So I'm going to say, um, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh. Because, you know, in the month of December, he was averaging 22 points a game, which is pretty shit for a former MVP. And the Bucks were two and three in the month of December. But! In the month of January, he averaged 29.9 points a game. And let me do the math in my head. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 11, 12, 13, 14. They were 9-6. So it's much improved from 2-3. and three. So i got to shout out to Giannis for pulling it together, shooting under 30% from three for the month of January, which is much improved from the 25% he shot in December. <laughs> <laughs> So I gotta say, Giannis is my bonus. Oh, you just, you just a riot, aren't you? You just, you just a riot. I just, yeah, I just tickle myself. Guy. You're a funny guy. It's good to see that Giannis is 
to lead his team to a nine and six record in January. You know, Giannis might have had his best game of the season against the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, he played like thirty it, minutes. He, he, had he was super double. efficient. Super he efficient. Triple, he had a triple double. He didn't. He only attempted eight field goals. Seven but for eight. He was a master of the offense whenever he was on the court. And he looks more comfortable than he has at any point this season. Yep. He's kind of come out to a slow start, um, and that might be partially due to new personnel, might be partially due to a slightly uh, you know, new scheme that Budenholzer's been rolling out. They've kind of been uh, integrating the dunker spot a little bit more into the offense. Uh, they yeah. have some more off-ball cuts and – you know, filling that spot to the rim, which has kind of knocked him out of rhythm a little bit because he's used to the five-out scheme where he kind of has, you know, all the space in the world to work himself. Now he's kind of got, you know, another guy in the paint who, you know, might clog up the lane a little bit for him. But, you know, he's really embraced uh, distributing the ball a lot more uh, in this role this season. Um, so I think it's just it's just taking him a little bit of time uh to kind of get used to this offense, get used to these new players like, you know, Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis. Sure. Um, But he definitely looked, watching the game today, like the most comfortable he's been so far. And he did this a lot last season where he'd just like play like 25 minutes and have a triple-double. I was just like, how did that happen? And he was just probably comfortable with the roster, like you said. But like, Ben, I don't know, I think we talked about this on Pirate Pod, but I think the biggest problem that the Bucks are facing right now isn't Giannis or because Milton's having a shooting forty five percent from three. Milton's having an insane year. Drew's a great, much improved from Bledsoe. I feel like Brooke Lopez got like twenty five years older this off season. Like it's he looks like Ursan moving out there right now. Yeah, it's it's He's really uh, weird. It's very strange. I think it might have something to do with the shortened off season too. Like a lot of these yeah. guys, especially these veterans, are maybe having a little trouble, like not getting the same rest that they are used to. Brooke Lopez kind of looks like a statue out there defensively a lot. Like he's yes. not contesting the rim at the clip that he has been accustomed to the last couple of years in Bud's dif- in Bud's defensive scheme. Um. You know, he's shooting a little bit better than he was last season, but, like, the defense is really – it's it's tough. It, it You know, a lot of people were – a lot of Bucks fans were talking about trading Brook Lopez earlier this season, like trying to, you know, maybe sell him for another wing and then maybe a competent center that's a little bit more mobile or something. And, Jared and Allen. I get, the, I get the thought process. You know, yeah, Jared Allen would be decent, but, you know, can't stretch the floor and – you know, don't know how that works in a Giannis offense necessarily. But, but, but Brooke, Brooke is just standing on a three-point – like from the offense I've seen, he, he's very slow in the post. And when he's not in the post, he's standing on the three-point line. He's not – he doesn't seem like he's setting as much as many screens as he used to. He's not taking that mid-range floater. He's on the block, slow, and he's on the three-point line taking shots. But it's just like – it just doesn't It just doesn't seem right because he was a defensive – he was like – Bucks fans were like, He's a defensive player of the year candidate last year, which he, he, was, he was a hell of a player last year. Like he was, he was, like, he was number three in voting, I think. Yeah, because only oh, he had one vote. But like, the point is, is he was still or like two votes. But the point is, is he was still regarded as an integral part of the offense. And now it's like, it's just interesting. I, I don't think it's on Giannis. Giannis is playing fine. 
It's on Chris. It's not on Drew. It's just in the bench. Drew uh, Augustine's playing better than I thought. You know, Dante's stepping up. It's just like I think Brooke is a starting guy. Is just it's hurting you guys. And I'm going to push back on that a little bit with Augustine. Augustine's been kind of playing like shit recently. Um, he's not shooting the ball well. He's kind of struggling to find his way in the offense. Um, That's fair. But, you know, just as somebody's watching all the games, basically. But, sure. You know, Augustine's used to having the ball in his hands more, and he's used to being the guy running the offense a lot of the times. And I think Now he's more of a spot-up shooter, kind of. Well, yeah, you know, he's just not getting the ball in his hands as much as he's accustomed to, and, you know, he's still figuring out the offense, which is understandable. They barely had training camp. They barely, you know, they didn't have a preseason hardly. So, um, you know, that's kind of to be expected at some point. But, you know, he's still finding his way a little bit. Bryn Forbes, you know, he's been playing better recently. He was you know, struggling a little bit to begin the year. I just think that the Bucks bench is still trying to find their way in this, this scheme because they're all new, basically. Like, the Bucks bench, you know, Bryn Forbes, DJ Augustine, uh, Bobby Portis, Jordan Nora, Sam Merrill, they're all new to this roster. Torrey Craig's new to this roster. Like, the only guys who are the same are Pat Connaughton, I guess Thanasis and Tanakupo, if you want to count him, but Bud just basically plays him as like a little like as a treat, you know. There's a little there's a little Bud Bud's treats, you know, for I don't know. He hasn't done these. I, I saw you. I saw you like. I mean, I don't want to talk about too many Bucks things because we're a Bucks and Rockets podcast, basically. But I saw that there was like Bucks like. Giannis is three, like Giannis has been an attempt at three in back-to-back games for the first time under like the Bud regime in a while. That's good. That's actually that's a good thing. Good that's a good thing. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Like he should take a few just to keep the defense honest, but not. I mean, exactly. he takes some really weird threes sometimes. I know, and part of it I think is Budenholzer encouraging him to let it fly, and that's their whole mantra, and that's like the way their scheme is set up. And I get it, but. At a certain point, like, you know that those threes, especially, like, the ones that are out of rhythm and, like, kind of just, like... Or in transition. It's open at the top of the key, but do you really want him taking that shot? Is that the best shot for your offense? You have 24 seconds. Like, you can probably find a better shot. Um, Yeah. Like... Yeah. Giannis keeping the defense honest is one thing. Like, I get it. Like, if he's... If he gets a wide-open jumper, like off the catch and shoot or whatever, like, you know, you can take him from time to time, but he takes them so often that it hurts the offense in a lot of situations. And it kind of gets the whole offense out of rhythm too. And, you know, when the other team's on a run, sometimes he'll take one and it's like, you know, you got to find a better shot at that point to try to swing this momentum. Like if you're, you know, on a, you know, 15 to four run or something like that, you know, Go for it. If you want to take that shot, if it's wide open, if you feel like you're in rhythm, okay. Yeah, That's if you want to embarrass, embarrass yourself on social media, go ahead. Take the shot. Okay. He's no Ben Simmons. At least he hits the rim. Just my point is, you know, just 
he doesn't need to take as many as he does to keep the defense honest. Like, we've seen it, like, even against the Pacers tonight. Like, he's doing pump fakes, and the Pacers are biting on it. Like People still bite on the Embiid pump fakes. Embiid, Embiid feels like – I feel like Embiid hasn't shot a three in two years. And people still bite on the pump fake. I mean, Embiid, he, he shoots he, he three. Takes them. He takes he's not the most efficient. Yeah. It seems like he's the most efficient against the Bucs. Uh, every time he plays, <laughs> destroys them from three for some reason. But, you know – yeah, you know, you get my point. Let's move on. I think we've yeah. spent too much long on this subject. Uh, it's all good. Let's go to the mailbag, uh, the final portion of the show. Zach um, is telling me that he's he needs me to you know keep keep the talk up for a second. I guess maybe he has to go pissed or something. I'm gonna keep talking. Uh, the first question comes from Adam. Uh, do the Nets have more star, star power than the peak KD Warriors? Not necessarily the better team, but as far as top-end talent goes. Um, so I'll answer this first, since Zach is uh, you know vacant right now. Um, the Nets definitely have top-end talent. Um, you know, you have James Harden, you have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. The Warriors had Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Um, you know, all these players pretty much at their peaks. Um, if we're talking about you know the peak of all the both of these teams, um, you know the Warriors actually have the pedigree of winning a couple championships uh, with KD. The Nets have yet to prove that, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about who has more star, star power here. Um, here comes Zach. He's, he's back. Um, so the question is, do the Nets have more star power than the peak KD Warriors? Not necessarily the better team, but as far as top-end talent goes. So if we're talking, you know, straight star power, the Warriors have four stars on that team. They have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant. This Nets team has Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. James Harden and Kevin Durant are arguably top five players in the league um, right now. Kyrie Irving, probably top 10 to 15. Easily. You know, in that, in that range. Time. I don't know if he's easily ten. He's definitely in that range. I think he takes he takes as many shots as a top ten player should. I don't. He's not consistent enough. I feel like to be a top ten player in the league, but he's top fifteen for sure. Um, So you have that. You had the KD Warriors, who had Steph Curry, who at the time top five player in the league, obviously. KD was a top five player in the league. So you have those two. And then, you know, it kind of goes to, you know, Kyrie Irving versus Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Um, Clay Thompson at the peak of the KD Warriors, probably a top 20 player in the league. Um, 25 at lowest. Um, I'd probably put him more in the top 10, top 20. Um, Draymond Green, probably in that same range, top 20, top 25. 
Um, but Kyrie, you know, like I said, more top 15. So I guess what do you value more, a, to- a top 15 player or two top 25 players? I think it's a tough question, and you raise good points. I think – I mean, obviously, I think we all know the Warriors sit better together, and both defensively and offensively. Like, Clay's right, the best right. spot-up shooter of all time. Clay, Steph's the best pure shooter of all time, and Katie's one of the best ISO players of all time. So, and then Draymond's one of the best, like, glue guys of all time. So, what's interesting about the Nets is I've never seen so many good, like, so many pure scorers on the same team at one time. Yep. Like, you've never seen that, but you've never seen so many bad defenders on this. Uh, even though Harden's defense has been, like, actually pretty decent, like, the last couple of games. He actually played some good defense the, the yeah. other night. Um, yeah. Yeah. He should be a bonus for the bottom of the bag for just his defense in terms of – I mean, I've, I've told you for the last five years he's a good post-defensive player, and that's been put on constantly. In, but, like, you in know, like, 15 possessions, you know. Per season, but you know it's fine. Yeah, it's I'm a switch. Sure. It's just Rockets had a switch in defense. <laughs> Adam, I think to answer your question, it, it is tough to answer, but I think I think I'm going to go with from a pure talent perspective. It's I mean again I can't do a definitive thing because the Warriors had four stars and the Nets four stars technically Joe Harris who's on a technically a max deal but. He's not a star. I, I would go three v three v four. Like if if we're talking about star power, like it, it's definitely a three v four situation. You have yeah. three guys who are higher yeah. than the. You know, you have basically two v two in KD and Steph and KD and Harden, and then you have you know Kyrie Irving versus Draymond and Clay. And who do you value? What do you value more, having Draymond and Clay or Kyrie Irving, in addition to those t- two top five players? So, in my opinion, I think the Warriors had more star power, so just because you know we're not talking pure scoring here. We're talking about stars, and stars can be two-way players. Steph, you know, best shooter maybe in NBA history, probably. Most, I mean, Jerry West. I mean, pretty much most definitely best shooter in NBA history. Most Katie, likely, yeah. One of the best pure scorers in NBA history. Probably the best pure scorer in NBA history. Well, um, I mean, you got Jordan, Kobe, and Wilt. <laughs> I mean, you have those guys, but, you know. A 6'11", 7-foot guy going up for exactly, mid-range for 15 feet. I mean, come on. Exactly. He's, like, basically a mix of Jordan and, and Dirk. You know, Katie. From a scoring perspective, like we've never seen a guy at his size be the type of scorer that he is, and you know, so obviously that's kind of a wash because we have two KDs in this situation. But the uh, Warriors KD was was not coming off an Achilles, even though this Achilles KD was is fully basically healthy. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's not much of a difference no. right now. I feel like, I mean, peak KD. When he was with the Thunder, was a better defender probably, but you know he wasn't that great of a defender with the Warriors anyway. So we're not even really debating that. Um, I, I think it comes say, down to Steph is better than Kyrie, Harden's better than Clay, but Clay's a better um, sh- pure shooter than Harden, and then KD, KD's a wash, and then Draymond's better than Joe Harris. So I think it comes down to the Warriors. I mean the Warriors. Yeah, I think the Warriors too. I wouldn't necessarily match it up that way because I think. Steph is better than Harden. 
Like I wouldn't I wouldn't compare Steph to Irving. Like, I was just going like point guard to point guard. Yeah, I know. I was just, going just, position. Position. I'm talking about like you know from a talent perspective. Like we're talking about two top five players on each team, basically. You know, I think Steph is better than Harden. KD, KD is basically a wash. Maybe Warriors KD was better, but I mean, probably better defensively. KD is playing pretty good. Um, so it really comes down for me to Irving versus Clay and Draymond, and from a star power perspective, you know, obviously Kyrie's a really good scorer. KD's a real—I mean, sorry, Clay is a really good scorer. Like in his they own score, right. They score differently. They score differently. I you think, don't really need a. You don't really need an Irving on a team with a Harden and KD. You don't really need an Irving on a on a team with Steph and KD. You kind of need Clay Thompson. You need a Clay Thompson. You need a Draymond Green. Like I think I think we both agree then that the, the Warriors are a better complete team, but the Nets have more pure scores. They have more pure scorers, but I don't think the question was about star power. I don't think that the Nets even necessarily have more star power because cumulatively, like Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, I think are better than Kyrie Irving. One Kyrie Irving, like they bring way more on the defensive end. Yeah. Clay brings yeah, Clay's a two way. Clay brings an insane amount of scoring. Draymond's a two way. Like even if he doesn't score, Draymond's a one way. Still. Oh, God. I'm just I'm joking. I'm joking. He's he's the ultimate glue guy on the offensive end, and then he brings elite defense on you know that end. Like he's you know your secondary playmaker in effectually in a lot of cases. Like KD was a fantastic scorer. He ISO, but he didn't really get you know teammates involved like you know Draymond did or Steph did. Like. You have to really, you know, take into account both sides of the ball. So, sure. In my opinion, in my opinion, the Warriors have more star power, especially if you're taking into account both sides of the ball. If you're talking about pure scores, the Nets have better pure scores yeah. than the Warriors ever did. But that doesn't make them a better team, and I don't think that makes them have better star power. So, that's, that's my take. Um, Let's move on to the next mailbag question from Noah. Do the Warriors make the playoffs, and what does this mean for Curry's legacy? Um, I think the Warriors do make the playoffs. They're sitting at the ninth seed right now. Um, I am not a believer that the Grizzlies will make the playoffs. I think the Warriors are a better team than the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have been insane defensively so far. Don't get me wrong. Like, they've been really, really good. Um, I just think that, you know, I think Steph Curry will make his way in the playoffs. As far as what it means for Curry's legacy, I mean, I don't think this season can tarnish Curry's legacy in any way, really. Hell no. He doesn't really have the supporting cast to, like, make it uh, – he doesn't really have the supporting cast to make it an argument. Um, but if he does make the playoffs, I think it can only help his legacy, you know, just by the fact of him carrying a team by himself, you know, effectively. I mean, Draymond's there, obviously, still, but he's a declining Draymond. And Kelly Oubre is – shooting terribly. Andrew Wiggins is inefficient. You know, like if the Warriors make the playoffs, it's because of Steph. And they've been been how many small guys have made the finals? Let's talk about like 
Stockton. Stockton had Carl Malone. Isaiah Thomas, well, he had Bill and Beer and some other guys. Bill and Beer. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, I think, is a great example. But, like, Jerry West, he had an aging Wilt Chamberlain. Um, Oscar Robinson, he had a Kareem. Um, well, Oscar Robinson wasn't small either. No, he wasn't. But, yeah. like, AI, AI, I guess he's – AI, AI I, made the finals. I was about to say him. Yeah. Chris Paul, you know, didn't make the finals. I mean, Steve Nash never made the finals. Kid made the finals once or twice, well, twice with the Mavs. But, like. Yeah, he, he won. He won with the, with the Mavs. But he, he's an old man then. And I guess Gary Payton made the final. But, I mean, he's not a scorer. He was more like Sean Camp and Della Shrimp. So, I think small guys carrying a team is it's just tough. I mean. Kemba Walker um, struggled in the playoffs every year. Yeah. It, it, it's tough when you're the primary scoring option. He doesn't have a solid big man. His scoring options have been weak, but I think with the addition of Draymond, he's been able to become more efficient than all his old self. So I think when Steph dropped that 60-point game that we've talked about, that it, that eased any questions that, oh, he yeah, he can do it. And I just think it's it's just tough for smaller guys to lead a team like that because it takes a toll on them physically more. Um, so I don't think that the Warriors make the playoffs. I still think that the – like. You know, Rockets, Spurs, Grizzlies, you know, I think that the odds that the, the Spurs leap over the, the, those three teams is is, is tough. Uh, but I'm not saying the Warriors can't do it, but I think there's – they're in that bottom seed fighting for the eighth seed if they do get in the playoffs. So – and that that's that's tough. I mean, you still have the Blazers, you still have the Rockets, you still have the Spurs to deal with, plus the Grizzlies. So even the Kings are – only um like a game like a game behind the Warriors, so Yeah, I think the Grizzlies will be the ones to drop if anything. Um That's fair. I think the Rockets are good enough defensively to make it in, um and they have the pedigree of offensive guys too and the Grizzlies, you know, they've been a great defensive team, but you know, I, I don't know if they really have the weapons to really over the course of a I guess what will maybe be a 72-game season, we'll see, you know, with all the COVID uh, stuff. But I really can't see them, over the course of a 72-game season, keeping up this pace. Um, I agree. As many high-top Kobe, like John Morant promised to never wear any low-top Kobe's, and he's continued to do that. He's wearing only high-tops, so shout-out well, John Morant. Yeah, didn't you say like a couple episodes ago where like low top and high top really don't have that much of a difference? They, they don't. They don't. The studies yeah. have proven that the the ankle has more room to to fluctuate with the with the and it has it's not as stiff so it's like low tops actually are better for the ankles because the ankle becomes stronger over time by having more range of movement, and the high top keeps it so so like not locked in but it keeps it less mobile so that like a smaller movement will cause it to break because it com- becomes weaker over time. Exactly. It's exactly what I would have said. Um, so, bottom line is, you think the Warriors will make it? I think yeah. I think I'm, I'm betting against the field because you're, you're going against the Grizzlies, you're going against the Suns, the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Kings, the Thunder. Even the, Ma- the Mavericks at 9-13, and 13, the Pelicans at 8-12. and 12. I, The Warriors Pelicans, have... I have no faith in the Mavericks. Or I don't have any faith in the Pelicans, sorry. I have faith in the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks will probably make the playoffs too. Yeah, you think, think the Mavericks will be the two seed, right? Yeah, I do. You, you fucking high on. You know, in, in due time, in due time. Um, <laughs> Maybe next season. 
they're dealing with injuries. I mean, we can't. I mean, who knows? They're dealing right, with injuries. So, Chris Stops hasn't been playing well. Um, no, he hasn't, and he's been hurt. Luca hasn't been playing well, honestly. If we talked about this. This was our thing. I mean, imagine if we were a bigger podcast and we talked about the Luca thing before it happened. But we'd, be, we'd be we'd be praised right now. We'd be fucking goaded, man. Yeah, we would. We would. Um, one final question uh, from Sam. If you could courtside Karen berate any NBA player, who would it be and why? That's exactly. a great fucking it's a great fucking question, Sam. Um <laughs> I love this I question. A, I love this question. I mean, you go anything. Like if I was, you know, a couple of years ago I'd I'd shit all over Pablo Prigioni with the Rockets. Like there's no reason he should ever be on an NBA roster. I just heckle the shit out of Pablo, like, go make a fucking pizza somewhere. And I can say that because I'm part of time. But the I think current day players, as much as I want to shit on Harden, I mean, I think I have to say Joe fucking Ingles in the playoffs. I just, I just, I just hate the way, I mean, this, this whole that, thing. That oh, hates white role players. No, basically. I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. That's the thing. That's no, the I don't. White role players. Except I for Kelly. um, um like Delhi, I like uh, Isaiah Hartenstein. Because um, he played for the Rockets. Played for the Rockets. I liked. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, you're having a tar- you're having a tar- Mar- time. I like I like Marco Bellinelli. Oh. <laughs> I liked him. It's just certain select guys who don't deserve a fucking roster spot. I don't like. So yeah, you, you don't like almost any white role player that I've brought up to you, you're like, ah, he sucks. I hate him. Name, a white, name, name one. T.J. McConnell. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> That's low-hanging fruit. You can't do that. <laughs> Fucking five-foot motherfucker. I hate, oh, uh, I liked his you dunk hate, contest. I liked you, his you dunk contest him? performance. But I hate him, I hate him as a player. Because he did the white man can't jump uh, Yeah, that was, that was cosplay. I, I like that. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. But um, in, in terms of this, Joe, let me explain the Joe Ingles thing. I just hate the way Joe Ingles carries himself. I, I, he's a 10-point-per-game he's guy, and people think he's the next coming to Larry Bird. I guarantee you Larry Bird would fucking dominate in today's game, and fucking Joe Ingles is the piece of shit who thinks he's like some combination between Draymond Green and Larry Bird, and he's not. He does the worst. He, he talks the most shit. He, like, he wears Kobe's. He doesn't dare to wear Kobe's. And he, he, I just don't like the way he plays. Like, like I think Quinn Snyder thinks he's the second fucking coming of like crooked fucking crocodile Dundee, and they they fucking play him like <laughs> I love your face right now. <laughs> they fucking they they like like they're down. And it's like hey, come on back in, and they they think that Joe Ingles is gonna save the fucking day. He's not gonna save the goddamn fucking day. He's a fucking piece of shit player, and I talk the most fucking shit to him because he talks the most fucking shit. I just hate the way he carries himself. He's done a lot of good for Utah. He's a great charity man. I respect him as a man, but as a player, I hate the way he carries himself on the court. Okay. Um, Sorry. I want you to say that again, but this time without crying. Uh, Joe Ingles is a solid NBA player, and he's, he's <laughs> going to accomplish more things than I ever will in my life. But if I ever had a chance to heckle a fucking player, it would be Joe goddamn Ingles. I would choose to heckle Patrick Beverly. Oh, that's a good one. That's I would a good courtside, one. I would courtside Karen Patrick Beverly. <laughs> he is the most trash player. He pretends he's, 
he pretends he's good defensively. He's really not. He's really just, you know, he just sells fouls all the time. He's basically like Marcus Smart, but worse defensively. Um, Marcus Smart, at least, like, he can do some defensive things, even though he, like, flops and, you know, sells out for fouls every single chance he gets. Like, Patrick Beverly is just a less talented version of Marcus Smart. Um, you know, he, he pretends yeah, so that he can – he acts so hard. He pretends he can guard LeBron. He pretends he can guard, you know, the top players in this league. And he's just, he, he's just a foul seller. He, he sucks. I hate him so much. He tried to hurt I, Westbrook a couple years, listen, like five years ago. Listen, I, I got fished earlier this year. Um, I told you this no. before, Zach. Um, I, I got fished by a scammer. Um, and I had to reset my Apple ID. And yes. uh, I. Talk to this guy who has given me some advice on like you know, you know what I should do with like my security and stuff, my passwords and everything. He said, you know, a phrase would be the best thing. They're kind of the best security measure right now for your passwords. My my security phrase was, um, yeah, yeah. My my security phrase for my Apple. Wait, 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 you're, you're uh, giving out your, you know, you don't, you don't want to do this. This is it, security. No, it has to, it, it has to do with hating Patrick Beverly. That's all I'm going to say. You're willing to compromise your Apple integrity for. Listen, I'm not saying the exact password, but it has to do with hating Patrick Beverly. That's how much. That's how strongly <laughs> I feel about this. Okay. Um. So, yeah, that that's who I would courtside Karen. Um, wow. That's a great fucking answer. Because I'd be willing to get kicked out of the game to heckle Patrick Beverly. I'll tell you that right now. And I know you would too. You hated Patrick Beverly I hate even Patrick when he's on the Rockets. Even when he's on the Rockets. Even when he's on the Rockets, he's a fucking piece of shit. Try to hurt Westbrook. He acts so hard. He tries to guard the best the best player on their team, and then obviously he he's not he... tall enough. <laughs> you thought she was Lou Dort? They don't love you like that. They don't love you like that. Oh! <laughs> Lou Dort still gives heart and nightmares. They took the last of the seven games only because of Lou Dort. Oh, I don't know. Love Lou, love Lou Dort. Um, that wraps up episode eleven of the Backseat GM podcast. Um, how do you how do you go to a game and then like heckle someone? I like it takes so much comp. You have to have a lot of alcohol to do that, I think, or a lot of steroids. I still can't well get over that. Right <laughs> you're well on your way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just gotta have a couple of those uh, those salmon IPAs. Um, you can find us now on Apple Podcasts. That's right. You heard you heard that right. Uh, wow. Long awaited. Um, this will be the first new episode that we have since we got on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Simplecast. Uh, you can find us on social media at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, we'll be putting out some announcements and content for you. Uh, also, you can... Ask mailbag questions as well on social media. Um, just give us a give us a shout. As always, thank you, Zach. Ah, Ben, the pleasure's all mine. No, the pleasure's mine, Zach. This is a fun one. I, I like it when we drink when we when we fucking pod. 
it's good. I don't know. Hey, if you guys don't like it when we drink when we pod, put a comment down below. Let us know. Don't don't don't. I'll actually push back on that. Don't don't put a comment down below because we don't give a fuck. I don't know. On that bombshell, it's time to end the show. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.